Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Welcome to our show. It's for you, those that work so hard for your money, and you want your money to start working harder for you right now. You want that freedom and prosperity today, not 30 or 40 years from now, but you want it right now so you can live that life that you love with those that you love. But guys, it's not just about getting rich, it's about living a rich life, because as you are blessed financially, you have a greater capacity to bless the lives of others. Thank you for tuning in today. I get, appreciate you guys allowing me to create this ripple effect through you. You've been binging on these episodes. I appreciate you sharing this with other people. Hey, as a quick reminder, if you haven't re- recognized this already, maybe you're watching or listening to this on iTunes, watching on iTunes, whatever. But if you're listening to this on iTunes, you, know, you might have noticed that our YouTube channel has changed. We now have the podcast channel. So be sure to look up the Money Ripples podcast channel to find these podcasts on YouTube right now. And be sure to like and subscribe. Hey, how amazing would it be if you could create monthly cash flow, passive income from making at least double digit returns on your money? And get this, it's only $1,000 or more that you need to invest. Guys, that's exactly what Secured Investment Corp does. They actually do short-term lending to real estate investors that's backed by real estate that you can actually return double digit returns on. That means 10% or better. It's also IRA friendly. And you can even reinvest those monthly distributions to create compound interest on your money too. If you want to learn more about that, go check out securedinvestmentcorp.com. That's secured, S-E-C-U-R-E-D, investmentcorp.com. All right, guys. So I'm bringing on a repeat guest once again. We've had RP Capital on, I don't know how many times, between Heather Marchant we have on today. We've had Ron Phillips on a few times as well, but it never gets old. And so I want to bring them back on because... The truth is, I mean, if you guys go you know, a year back, it's 100 episodes. So we want to make sure you guys be able to hear the updates specifically, because I know many of you are asking, is really rental real estate good right now? Is it really the good timing? Or is this something that maybe it, we should be avoiding at the current time and just wait for it to get better? So I want to talk about that. And I also want to bring up too, because Heather, not only has she had great experience as really being their chief operating officer of RP Capital and, and also being intimately involved in doing these investments, also investing herself, but she's also used infinite banking with it. And I know many of you have asked, what are the different ways? How do you use infinite banking? How do you do it with real estate? When I have Heather share her experiences as well, so you get another perspective on this besides just mine, right? I know you love me, but you don't love me that much to not want to hear more experiences and stories. So definitely bring on Heather to be able to talk about these things today. Heather, good to hear you or see you again. Yeah, all the things. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. We need to have you on our show again. It's funny, time goes by really fast. Like, I feel like oh, I, I just was here chatting with you, but it's probably been several months. Kind it does. Of crazy. Like, it, it's crazy how fast time flies. I mean, <laughs> you know, 2020 was awesome because it was like the best two and a half years ever, right? You know, it's yeah. like you went a couple months, you thought you had a whole year under your belt. But, <laughs> you know, now time's coming right back to where it was before. Things speeding back up. We're getting back to our kind of our norm, right, of sorts. So yeah. yeah, it's good to have you on because I know many people haven't been introduced to you guys at RP Capital. So let's just talk about that right now. Like RP Capital, tell them a little bit more about what you guys do. Yeah. So we're a real estate brokerage and we specialize in rental properties. So 
Usually our main focus is one to four units. So single family up to a fourplex because those are conventional loans and the cheapest financing out there, right? And obviously a more digestible price and everything. But we've been doing a lot more apartments, syndications in the last couple of years than we've ever done. Just more opportunity. And I think we've helped clients grow to that point that they're ready to expand and get into bigger projects. It's a blast because we help to educate clients. We don't charge anything for our services because we want people to keep their cash so they can actually invest. So we don't charge for any coaching or mentorship that we do. We also have a podcast where we teach and try to help educate people, new investors especially, so that they feel like they can be successful in owning rental properties. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed that is kind of unique about you guys. You have a few things that are unique there because there are several turnkey companies out there today. But one thing I've noticed is that you're not geographic specific. You're not just in one location. So if that location kind of goes bust, mm-hmm. it's not like you're out and you're stuck and you have to, you're scrambling trying to find another location to do rentals out of. You're all over the United States. Um, yeah. In fact, often I'll look at where your properties are to see where the new hot market is, <laughs> right? the, the hot market that hasn't become hot yet. You know? Yeah, it's true. So I mean, the curve that way. It's just watching for solid economies that are growing with new jobs. And that just means tenants have jobs. They can pay rent with their income. So we're always watching for that. And then we're watching for states that have or cities that have landlord friendly legislation instead Mm -hmm. of your tenant friendly states, which I think everyone knows what that is without even thinking too hard about it. And so having an area where you're going to be able to evict a tenant if they're not paying you stuff like that. And so it just opens up so many great opportunities and great markets. We work with a lot of builders and help buy direct from builders so that we get bulk pricing from them. Because sometimes we'll negotiate, you know, I just negotiated last year 120 townhomes and Mm -hmm. they weren't going to sell. They wanted to sell to a hedge fund and they weren't getting any traction because the builder had sold four units to someone else. And so he didn't have the whole development for a hedge fund. And so he didn't even want to sell it until he found us and said, oh, so you guys will handle the sale of all of them? I said, yes, but to individuals. And they said, I'm in. And so just getting great opportunities. And like you said, that's everywhere. And we can take a break in a market if we're feeling like the pricing is coming up and rents aren't following that increase. And so we take a break. And we did that In Boise, I remember when Boise was going up and up and up around, I want to say 2007. It's been a little while. I got to get my calendar right. It was actually during the recession. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I don't remember what year it was, but I remember we turned clients away and gave them our competitors information because we said, no one likes to hear it, but sorry, you missed the opportunity. Like Mm -hmm. it's too late and you're now overpaying. And they went and bought from competitors, a couple people, because they were mad that we wouldn't sell them a property. And we just said, sorry, like it's what we are all about is helping people long-term, helping people be successful long-term and not just about hope they buy a property today. So, well, and I know that's the big question I raised mind, right? Is that, you know, it's no secret that interest rates have gone up over the last year, especially And uh, rents haven't necessarily caught up with it. Like they're they're going crazy in the beginning, and then when rates are going up, then all of a sudden it's like a flat line almost. You know, uh, tell us like what are you seeing right now in the market? Because obviously, cash and cash returns are not as healthy as they used to be. It almost seems like gone are the days of expecting a easy twelve percent cash and cash return. You know, what are you seeing right now with you within the markets you're in? Yeah, it's a great question. 
honestly, with the rates going up and the rents, you're right, they started going up really quick and then they slowed down a little bit. It's been picking up a little bit. I think it's possibly due to the season as well, that this is mm-hmm. we're entering prime leasing season. So I just actually got a text from one of our builders yesterday that he had a target of 2700 for rent in Kansas City. And he just texted me and said, I'm getting 2900 on this house. And I was like, oh. mind blown, because I think our estimate initially was 2650 So mm-hmm. it just keeps inching up. And that's prime leasing season a lot as well. And some people think that that means that we're just gouging on rent, but expenses are up, right? So <laughs> we've had a couple people upset when I talk about rent increases and how important they are. But it is pivotal if your interest rates are up, your mortgage payments up, that you have to have rent increase with it, mm-hmm. right? You just have to with that's inflation. Right. Yeah, so, it's got to balance. That's right. So it's not like we're just breaking people over the coals for no good reason. So that's bringing up our ROIs. The other reason rents take a minute to keep up is their 12-month leases. You can't just raise rent just because your expenses went up. Your taxes right. increase. You got to wait you know, nine months maybe to raise your rent and renew a lease. So that is going to take a minute. It will keep pace with inflation from historical data. It's going to keep pace with it, but it does take a minute to catch up. You're right. And then the other thing we're finding, well, a couple things. I'm long-winded today, Chris. You're going to have to be like, Heather, give me a break. It's all good stuff. Keep going. (laughs) But the thing that's happening is you have builders who are really hurting right now. And that's something that people necessarily don't think about. But if you have a builder who's taking nine months to build a project since 2020, that's kind of your average construction timeline. What used to be four months is now, you know, seven, eight months, whatever. So if you have people that are pre-approved and they are ready to rock and build and then halfway through or at the completion, interest rates went up. Guess what happened? They all canceled. And so... Mm We have big builders who weren't spec building that now have, you know, 100 doors of standing inventory that they need to offload. And they were raising their prices like everybody was across the country, mm-hmm. just going up and up and up. And now they're going, hey, about that, like, let's reduce the price. And so there is an awesome opportunity right now in that new construction space. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at new housing starts, there has been a lot of new housing start that are already in process. They already started them. They got their financing. They went through permitting. And those are going to be finished this year. And if rates are still high, there's going to be another massive opportunity because builders are not going to want to hold. Unless they're a small builder, they're not going to want to hold, you know, 100 extra doors that aren't doing anything. And they won't rent them out and stuff. So huge opportunity there. And then with interest rates being high... And a lot of people cooled off on buying, investors included. And so prices, and we can negotiate. We haven't been able to negotiate effectively for two, two and a half years. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. trying to get concessions out of our sellers has been awful, really hard. And we're getting concessions and it's fantastic. And when interest rates go back down, that opportunity is, I think, going to be gone. I think we have a pent-up demand. We have people that are waiting to move because they want rates to come down. Investors Mm -hmm. waiting to buy because they want rates to come back down. And so we could have a run like we had before where prices just went go up again and you can't find property and everybody's bidding against each other, all that stuff all over again. So it's a cool opportunity, cool window of opportunity. Yeah, that's that's the thing is I've noticed that whenever people start being scared, saying, oh, real estate sounds like it's really bad right now. 
that's usually when it's best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. All of the great quotes in real estate are all the surrounding, like when there's blood in the streets, I buy. Like when people are uh, nervous, that's when I buy. And so just being, I'm a bit bullish right now. I mean, I closed on a property two weeks ago. I close on one next week. I'm being bullish. And if I have equity in my properties, I'm doing a 1031 exchange and selling them for a profit. I just finished a 1031 in January. So I'm enjoying that I have less competition right now. It's actually quite fun. And as far as ROI, I didn't answer that. So ROI, we're pretty creative. Man, we're really creative. So if I get package from a builder, this actually just happened. So I'll give an example. I had a builder say, hey, if if your clients will use our lender, then we will give them $5,000 off the purchase price. And I said, well, that's great. And I said, however, if we can get that in closing costs, that's going to yield better returns for our clients than a $5,000 price reduction on your monthly payment is almost nothing. Nothing. It's not even exciting. But if it's less out of pocket, that means you get a better return on your cash, right? Exactly. And or buying down the rate. Sometimes those, the Mm -hmm. math works really well that you're saving. So say that $5,000 I pay toward some origination fee to buy down the interest rate and say it saves me hundred bucks a month, probably not likely, mm-hmm. but I'm using some yeah, round numbers. That's then I would- percent ROI on your yes, cash. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So then I'd go, okay, I just run the math and I say, how many months will it take for me to make back that $5,000 investment? And that's how I choose if I'm gonna mm-hmm. pay extra points because I do feel like rates are gonna come down in the latter yeah. part of 2023. So I'm already planning on refinancing and I have our lender is set up with no cost refinance so that you can slide right into a lower rate. So that's a good point. I, I heard from a guy that's actually a lender, right? He's a mortgage broker. And he even said, he said, you know, getting a fixed rate cost, like a 30 year fixed, even if it seems high right now, you'd like, you still end up winning either way, yeah. because if rates keep going higher, then at least you locked in now, instead of yes. waiting for the, you know, the real estate market to get better, what yes. if rates keep going up, you're actually locking in a lower rate now, or what if it does the opposite? What if rates do come back down? Which I don't know if they will this year. They might, like you said, they might in the latter half of the year come down. But yeah, but we don't. If they know. do come down. Great, you refinance, you know, mm-hmm. and you think you lock in a lower rate then. And so it's it's kind of nice with real estate. You have that option. You can actually do things in the meantime to help manipulate your ROI a little bit more. Yes, and we're in an inflationary market. So holding on to your cash and waiting for interest rates to come down, you're losing. And the numbers that we're seeing are like close to 15% inflation. And so losing all that money every month versus making it work for you, even if it's at a little lower ROI, our average, I would say, with new construction is probably close to 7% cash on Mm -hmm. cash. And that's really only because of the rate that it's come down. Everything else has remained about the same. And then our rehab properties, we're getting into like 12, 13% on those. We have a couple that are coming in this week in the teens, which we haven't had in a hot minute. So yeah, definitely. You have have that choice. You get newer build, which has a lower cash on cash, but there's possibly lower expenses in the short term and even the long term too. And you got the older properties that can give you higher cash might have expenses depending on what's going on. And, you know, sometimes life can happen, you know, some things can happen there and mess with your numbers. But, you know, the thing that's nice about real estate as well is that, you know, if you focus only on the cash on cash return, you miss the bigger picture because the truth is like you just said, like if we are in an inflationary environment that drives up the price of the home and not that we should ever bank on appreciation, but it's nice if you put 20% down and appreciates say even 
10%, that's not a 10% return on your money. That's a 50% return because you only put a fifth of a down payment. So you get the five-time multiplier of that leverage using the mortgage company. Yes. So now you get a 50% return there, not including, even if there is no inflation or appreciation, right? Still, they're paying down your mortgage for you, building up equity, whether it appreciates or not. And so that, of course, tax benefits, right? I mean, there's all those four returns you guys talk about all the time. I know even on your own show. Yeah. That's the thing is that there's so many other returns that happen that it's really hard to compete with real estate that way. It really is. And it's, there's so many ways to make money that keeping pace with inflation is actually not really hard. And yeah. if you have maintenance, I just had horrible maintenance on my several of my properties all at the same time in January. It was painful. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. I took that number and I made a note and we have software that helps our investors track performance of their properties. Mm-hmm. And I just put it in there and made a note, capital expenditure, so that I can write it off on my taxes. Right. <laughs> I mean, you make money and you get it right off with depreciation and then maintenance or any kind of capital expenditure that you have on the property, which is awesome. So that's true. And even if there's an extra capital expenditure, and let's just say somebody's not a real estate professional and you can't get below zero to show a loss, mm-hmm. right? We just put that depreciation into a future year when you need it more, right? Exactly. Exactly. And then essentially, it's like tax free income. Yep. Man, it's just yeah. exciting. Like it's exciting to be able to help people. That call us and have never, especially ones I get excited about. Not that I, I don't, I love all of our clients, but the ones that are, you're unlocking a whole possibility for them that they've never even considered what real estate could do and the power of real estate. And they lose their minds their first year owning property with those different rates of return. And then you file your taxes and say, wait a minute, I didn't really have to pay like any taxes on this income. Like, and then yeah. you do a 1031 if you have appreciation and, Principal reduction. I mean, what? Avoid the tax on the sale. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you own all of it. You can finance it. You can have someone paying it off for you. I mean, there's just trying to compare it to stocks. We had this conversation just recently, like trying to make this apples to apples for stock. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's just no way. There's too many differences that it's really, really hard to try to illustrate how it's similar to stock because it's just. So much better if I say so myself. No, you're, you're preaching the choir because I actually did a show. It was late summer last, like either summer 22, late, either like August, September of 2022. I actually did a whole bunch of shows kind of making the case for real estate versus the stock market, why mutual funds don't work. And it's funny because I compared, I actually took one of your properties I bought from you. I bought property in Memphis. Oh, now yeah. it's gone five years, but when I did the numbers about four and a half years ago, and I compared to you know, with the cash on cash returns that I had coming in, the cash flow from that, like the net profits, the fact that I gained that equity from both the pay down of the mortgage, because it's lower now because the tenants are paying it down for me and the appreciation on that property. And that's even with appreciation kind of coming down a little bit, right? By that point of time, when you factor those things together, my return was about a 300% rate of return on my cash, right? About $32,000 I put down with the closing cost. Yet, if I did that same thing in the stock market, that thirty-two thousand wouldn't have been over a hundred thousand like it was with the real estate. Instead, it was going to be more like forty some odd thousand in the stock yeah. market, right? So even though the stock market had a big boom, especially after twenty twenty, still it wasn't nearly even close to what I yeah. made on the real estate. Even if I took out the appreciation, I still made more just from the cash on cash returns than I would have ever made in the stock market. Yeah, and you would have to pay taxes on that income if it was yeah, in stocks, exactly. Right? So. That's it's right. um, just such a great vehicle. Like what Ron and I say on our show is it's something the government got right in giving you incentives mm-hmm. to own real estate. 
Exactly. Because <laughs> that depreciation and writing off your capital expenditures is so, so great. That's awesome. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I think we're going the same place. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask about like the one thing that also is unique with you guys is that most time you see like turnkey companies, they'll say everything's in house. We do the lending or they'll at least farm out the lending and then they'll also property manage. Because you're in different areas, you actually have property managers in these different areas, local, like boots on the ground, right? I mean, how do you minimize risk there for yourselves like to ensure that you have a good property manager? Because that's really, for us as investors, that's really the big risk, right? Is that we don't want to be hands-on. We don't want to be dealing with the tenants, but we have to make sure we trust somebody to do that. How do you guys like, what's the word? Not filter, but really vet and these property managers yeah. to make sure you have good ones. Yeah, I should share my list of questions. We have a list of like 30 questions that we ask them. A lot of ones that are pretty obvious, like their maintenance, how they handle it. Is it in-house? Do they have an upcharge for maintenance? We ask how they vet tenants, what their criteria is for tenants. We talk about, yeah, exactly. We talk about if they do Section 8 or not. And some of it's just information. Some of it doesn't mean that it's a make or break the property management company, but we just want to know how they handle things, how many units they manage. If they don't manage enough units, then we're like, yeah, sorry, you're not a big enough player to be able to handle a lot of volume of business at once. And what software they use, having software, super important for owners and having you know 1099s and just the paperwork, super, super important. So sometimes yeah. if they don't have a very good one, or if they don't have managed enough units, they don't qualify for a product like Appfolio or the numbers don't work for something like Appfolio, so that's an important question that we have to ask. We review their management agreement, like so many things. However, what I tell our clients, the trickiest part, Chris, is I can vet a property manager today and they can mm -hmm. check all the boxes and be great. And then in six months, they lose maybe one of their key people, right? Someone right. that just mm -hmm. makes it happen, your doers in the company, mm -hmm. and then they're no longer that great. And that mm -hmm. happens. And that's probably yeah. the hardest thing to keep an eye on, honestly. I try to own property in every market. I do what I tell my clients not to do usually, and that I own mm -hmm. one here and one there. But I have a good sampling to kind of gauge my experience, number one. Number two, we encourage clients to reach out to us if there's any kind of rumbling of something not right. Even if it smells yeah. funny, you just reach out. And so this has been a recent one that I've had probably four clients reach out complaining that they can't get a hold of their property manager. And this mm -hmm. was St. Louis. And that's mm -hmm. always the first red flag. Communication yeah. is the first red flag. It just means that they're too busy, right? Or they don't have enough staff or what have you. So I said, okay, I'm seeing a pattern. And so I reached out to the property manager and I've had now three reach outs and now I'm scheduling a call with the owners to understand what's going on because it's escalated in the last six weeks now. And so mm -hmm. normally that's our process is to try to problem solve first. Having all of our clients pivot and move management is a lot of work for the owners, not as much for us, but for the owners. So mm -hmm. I'm going to try to solve the problem at its root. And this one, what happened is they sold. The property management company sold to a nationwide management company and they kind of an important detail to know, right? Yeah. And I knew, but I thought, okay, let's give them a minute, right? They got to get yeah, their legs yeah. under them. That's a bunch of turbulence for a company and it's not improving really. And so I'm meeting with them next week and I've sent them a list of the clients and their complaints and what's been happening. And so staying involved is probably our biggest asset there. 
is to really yeah. understand what's happening and affect change. Because the property managers, they don't want to lose all of our clients. We have mm-hmm. a big share of how many clients that they service overall. So they're yeah. going to move heaven and earth to fix stuff. And that's the game plan. And if that doesn't work, we already have a backup property manager and we've been referring mm-hmm. clients. If they're feeling nervous, we've referred clients out to the new property manager. So yeah. it's tricky. That's that probably the sticky plan, don't you? Yes. Yes. It's the stickiest part for sure. But like you said, it's the most important part. Owning mm-hmm. remotely so important have a solid property manager. That's great. That's good to hear. I know that's a big worry for everybody, right? It's just, you know, how do you make sure you can trust someone? But I think that's what's important for people to realize that you don't just drop them. You know, you don't just say, hey, we sold the property to you. Okay, good. Have fun. Property manager, point of contact, deal with them. Like you guys can still be accessible still say, hey, you know what? We're seeing a trend here. And you'd want to know that anyways, if you're still yeah. doing property in that area, you'd want to know if that property manager isn't doing what they say they're going to do and a new one to replace them or something. Yeah. And we've all the new business we've had for the last couple of months, we haven't sent their way because I, if they're yeah. already struggling with the business that they have, I'm not going to send them more. Like no. that would make no sense. So that feedback from clients is super helpful. And then mm-hmm. the feedback from our own portfolios, a lot of us own properties in these areas too. So that really helps. That's great. Well, I know we've talked a lot about that. If people want to be able to find your company, obviously, where would they they go to be able to reach out to you guys? Yeah. So our website is rpcinvest.com. So rpcinvest.com. And then we have email that they can reach out, invest at rpcinvest.com. And that actually goes to me. And so I can help to answer questions or if you want to schedule an appointment to kind of go through your own portfolio and see how we can help. Great. Now, I know we already spent a lot of time talking about this, but we still promised we'd talk about it as, you know, with infinite banking and how you're using it. Because I know you're a client of ours, like you've got infinite banking policies through us. First and foremost, what was it about infinite banking that made you say, I should do this? Because I know Ron's also a client too. So I know both of you guys are doing this strategy. That's such a great question. I would say the opportunity to have another rate of return. Oh man, I have, this is a long answer. I'm going to try to keep it short was my first excitement in it. My second thing that I loved was that I could grow it tax-free. And then being able to, I use it like a savings account so that I don't keep a lot of cash like in checking. When I qualify for a mortgage that throws people off, they're like, wait, where's where's all your money? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I don't keep it there. If I have money, I'm buying property or I'm investing it, right? Mm -hmm. So mostly my emergency fund is in my whole life policy because I have access to it within a week, right? So that's been solid and awesome. And then I use it to buy property. So I actually just did this yesterday, Chris, not even trying for this recording today. But I reached out and I took a loan against my policy because I'm closing on that property next week. And my 1031 is short, all the funds to close. Mm-hmm. And so I will pull that in into my account, close on my property. And then I actually have an auto pay. What is it? Bill pay from my bank account with mm-hmm. that goes back into my pen uh, policy to pay back that debt and I, or the loan, I guess. And then I will have that, I'll increase that because every time I buy a property, that payment can increase because I'm getting more cash flow. So yeah. I'll be able to increase that with these. I haven't increased it from my last property yet that I just closed on. So I'll be able to have it be close to $3,000 a month that my portfolio brings in mm-hmm. and pay that toward 
that loan, pay that back. And then I just do it again. Like as, yeah. as soon as I have the money in there, I do it again. So yeah. super so you're powerful. just cycling the money in and out, right? So you're kind of doing like what I do, where I keep my bulk of my emergency fund there, which when people say, are you worried about bank failures? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I know insurance companies are more stable than banks. So I, yep. I keep it there because I know I'm more protected than even FDIC, so to speak, insured right? Uh, type of bank bank deposits and so forth. And so I keep it there for my emergency fund. And, and I do the same thing, even qualify for a mortgage. I just send them my statement for my yeah. life insurance. Same. And, uh, and then of course, yeah, the only thing above and beyond that emergency fund is free game to invest however I want and just yeah. use that money to cycle through the cash flow to, you know, run up that loan and then pay it down. Right. Yeah. It's super powerful. And honestly, what surprised me is that it's earning interest and I'm paying back those loans. So every time I get in there to look at my balance, I'm always pleasantly surprised, which I maybe shouldn't be. I should keep better track of my numbers that I'm not pleasantly surprised, but I try to update my personal financial statement every month. And when I'm in there, I'm like, man, this is like magic. Like it feels like this awesome mailbox money that it just yeah. increases. And some of it's my, obviously my cash flow for my properties, but a lot of it too is just that it's increasing in value. So. Yeah, this is kind of a pleasant surprise because, you know, of course, you get to pay the annual dividend. But when you have the guaranteed portion of that, the 3% guarantee, right, that's paying in monthly, you're like, oh, I just got a quarter percent bump going into this account every month, right? Which yeah. some people are happy with a quarter percent per year. And you're like, oh, I saw a quarter percent bump. And that does include the extra dividend they pay on top of it once per year, too. Yeah. Oh, it's so exciting. I mean, talking to you, I feel like I'm getting like all warm over mm -hmm. here. Just like the excitement of possible. <laughs> yeah. Just what's possible and how so many people just don't know or aren't aware or they're too afraid to test it and try it. And I think when I first met with you about doing that policy, I remember we met for a while and I had you explain it to me several times. And then mm -hmm. once I got it, I was just like, what? Why have I not done this a few months ago? Right? Like, why did I waste yeah. time? Because just taking action and taking action today is more powerful than anything. I mean, real estate, the policies, I mean, having, taking action and moving forward. So for you, was it a different level of learning, actually just getting it and using it than it was just trying to learn about it? Because I know a lot of people, yeah. they find us by going down that infinite banking rabbit hole. And they're like, I've been studying this for two years, haven't figured out what I should do, how I should pull the trigger. And you're like, ah, just do it. Yeah, I would. I mean, it's such a great opportunity, especially if you're going to use it to invest in real estate. Like you can't do any better than that. In fact, one last thing I'll say is we used to include this infinite banking in our calculations when we would show people projections of what's possible with their money. And we yeah. took it out. And the reason we took it out is because people thought we were selling snake oil. They said, it's too good to be true. You can't achieve those rates of return. And so mm -hmm. we had to carve back out, you know, using a whole life policy because they didn't believe it, which is and even then when you show real estate, they're still like, ah, that still looks too good to be true. Right. Yes, exactly. Yep. So with it, it yeah. just became over the top. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Well, Heather, I appreciate your time today. And, and for those who want to follow your podcast, uh, go ahead and give them the name of your podcast too. Yeah. It's get real estate success. You can go to get real com, and you can actually search our podcast in there for content. So if you want to look up you know, using a retirement account to buy real estate or something like that. You can search and look at past episodes. We have a lot of fun. I thought it would be an obligation and it would be something else I have to do every week. And I felt nervous when I first did it. And now I look forward to it.
Like it's mm-hmm. fun. It's fun and exciting to share what's working for you, for other people. So thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Yeah, Heather, it's always a pleasure. And of course, we're going to have you back again at some point when, you know, everybody gets buried in more episodes. We'll, we'll of course bring you back, guys back again. But no, I appreciate the perspective, especially with the, how the real estate market's going right now. And and really that rare opportunity that really the things that the masses are running away from are the very things they should be running towards. Yes. And we say that a lot on our show. And it's just good to hear another voice in the wilderness that's preaching this saying, we've been telling you so, yeah. and eventually it's going to reveal itself. And then people will say, oh, I missed out yeah, on it. I missed yep. it. Yep. We so told true. you so. Yeah. <laughs> just remember this moment. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So again, Heather, thank you so much. Everybody, be sure to check out RP Capital. You can check out rpcinvest.com. You can even shoot them an email, invest at rpcinvest.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well as in the blog on Money Ripple's page. So you can see that there too. But guys, like the one thing you can learn from Heather is that taking action, right? Billy is to learn this stuff, but then to ultimately have that faith just enough to take the action, even if it's not perfect. The thing is moving a step forward. If you stumble yes. a little bit, it's still a step forward. Take that action. Make sure you're doing what's going to be best for you and your family and create a better future now. You know, as I say on my shirt right here, right? It's like live your dream life now, right? It's, that's what it's about. It's like you got to create that dream life by taking action and moving on it. So guys, go and make it a wonderful and prosperous week and we'll see you later. Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now.